Hey! All right, there we are. We did it! <laughs> Woo! Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 294, your once-weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. John. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are run on the air so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel, but perhaps an even better way to help support the channel is head on over to craftcomputing.store, pick up one of our fancy pint glasses, coasters, bottle openers, you name it, and uh, start drinking like a pro. Uh, We do drink alcohol on the show, obviously. Uh, And if you're drinking something along with us tonight, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. Uh, they're saying the, the name. Uh, uh, oh, no, it's fixed on my end. Uh huh. I did it while I was talking. Ah, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> People are saying Rhett never looks so good. We're, we're all Rhett on this blessed day. Yes. Cursed day, maybe. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool, cool. How's it going, John? Oh, busy, busy. I just got. Uh, I was uh, chatting with my boss the other, or uh, I think it was the yesterday or. Monday, you know, so the other day, uh-huh. uh, he was, he, I, what I thought was the message was him saying, Hey, next week I'm going to be gone Monday and Tuesday. I was like, okay, cool. Two days. Uh-huh. No, no, no. It was, I'm going to be gone Monday till next Tuesday. Ah. And I didn't read that. And so then I get the, uh, I don't know what he's called, like head of HR or head of human resource or head of, I think he gives himself the president. I don't know what that means. Manager. Anyways, one of the one of the big wigs yeah. comes up to me. He's like, "Are you are you ready to to take over next week and be in charge?" I'm like, "What are you talking about? It's like two days. I do that all the time." He's yeah. like, "No, he's gonna be gone for over a week." Uh, wait, what? <laughs> okay, well, that uh, should still be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those of like, oh great, no, crud. <laughs> it's gonna be me. So. Usually though, when that happens, it's like no, pro- I don't, I don't start any projects. <laughs> I'm just like my day is devoted to just calls, and if I don't get them, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I could go into stories about my past employer, but I I choose not to at this point in time. Uh, something something like you can't take a week vacation, uh, really, because <laughs> I'm the manager, which means it's my job to make sure everything runs. And as long as it's running, you didn't even notice I was gone, did you? I know. Well, well then what do we pay you for? Ass, I know. Yeah. Everything's broken. What do we pay you for? Everything's yeah. working. What do we pay you for? Yep. Yep. Oh, that it turns out after I left. Yep. I know. <laughs> oh, I, I know. Everything runs smoothly, and then I take a day or two off, and everyone goes, oh, we're so happy you're back. Yeah. Wow, there's a name I haven't heard in the chat for a little while. Jason, having a vanilla macchiato imperial stout from Oakshire. Oh. 
Well, okay. I mean, they're still they're still around. They're still doing stuff. Yeah, I I just hadn't. I haven't seen them around in a while. <laughs> the only ones I've seen out recently or out in bottle shops are like the Hellshires. And yeah. I'm always looking at them and I was like, I've always loved buying them. They're always delicious, but I'm just looking at them like $27 right now. Uh, yeah. I buy three other. I, I love good wax dip stuff, but yeah. man, you know. Wax dips they, in this economy? Yeah, basically, yeah. I'm like, that's that's three or four. That, that's a a twelve pack and uh, you know, a decent. I, I had triple IPA. Yeah, um, I, I say that I bought one wax dip today, and it's probably the first wax dip I've bought in at least a couple of months. Uh, headed to the bottle shop today, and they happened to have a uh, Fort George Matryoshka. So, oh yeah, picked that, that up. Good. Yeah, I went. I haven't. That's a bottle I've not seen this year. So I'm gonna go ahead and snag that. Yeah. No, uh, unfortunately, like that's most of my money ends up going to Tavor now, and yeah. uh, and then I'll go to the bottle shop and be like, oh, I used to buy this, and I know that's really good, but I've already spent all my money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, first world problems, John. I know. Yeah. I know. I've, I've already horrible. bought all this amazing beer. I can't buy more amazing beer. <laughs> what about second beer? Yeah. What about second beer? Second seas. <laughs> <laughs> brunch ah <laughs> uh, good times well speaking of beer what are we drinking tonight john i'll uh i'll let you go first oh i forgot to grab it out of the fridge uh -oh. okay well i don't want to spoil all the fun so I'll, i guess i'll just read a couple of these uh, Harley's got a Phase 3 Lake Trip American Pale Ale, Centennial, Simcoe, and Chinook Hops at 5.5%. That sounds wonderful. Nice little uh, moderate session IPA there. Uh, Williams got a Rushing Duck Brewing Beanhead Coffee Porter, 5.7%. Uh, <laughs> slow Hardware. Thank you for the super chat. Uh, hey, Jeff and Rhett, let's go. Has Luke responded to your 1v1 Halo CE? I haven't reached out yet, um, but uh, I, I don't think... I think we're a little too close to start organizing something like that. Uh, my my schedule started out as like, yeah, I have like one thing I'm, I'm doing, and other than that, I'm just going to be like attending like everyone else and walking around. And now all of a sudden, it's like my schedule, I think I have like three one-hour gaps in it. Uh, it's like all of a sudden I'm doing everything at LTX and uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, suddenly it's a working vacation. Like I, I, <laughs> I've got meetings with, with vendors. I've got, you know. <laughs> uh... All right. Uh, all right. So I got uh, one of my favorite breweries, Toppling Goliath, and it is their Dragon Fandango. Uh, sour, so it's a uh, mango passion fruit dragon fruit. Mm. Uh, very fruity, but not high in the ABV as it's a hot day. So four point two percent, very red. Nice. Never had this one before. Uh, I've not had this beer either. Uh, this one is actually from Independence, Oregon. Believe it or not, uh, it is from. Uh, Parallel 45 Brewing. It is the Electric Dream Machine IPA. And I had to get I've it just of... had to get it just oh, for a yeah. can. 
right? One of those. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, 7% IPA. No information on it whatsoever, ever, other than it's a 16 ounce and 7%. So there, there's there's a little bit of John in that can art, I, I will say. There, there's a lot of John. I mean, <laughs> so, other, if, there, if the hair color is just a little bit different. Right, but no, there's a lot of John in that. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of the brewery. Yeah. Yeah. Parallel 45. Not can be not to be confused with 45th Parallel, um, which I believe is a Michigan brewery. They're one of our uh halfway between the equator and the pole yeah, brethren. 45. Yeah, I live basically on that line. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. See. Electric, yeah, there's nothing even on Tavor about it. Wow. 7%, only 68 check-ins, so... Cool. Relatively new. Yeah, no, I happened to see it in the bottle shop today and went, that looks interesting. Got a four-pack for, like, 13 bucks. And, uh, yeah. So, gotta love the look of it in our craft computing pint glasses, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I do have a spot on the pint glass, John, uh, with my logo on it. I was actually mm -hmm. looking at cutting you some with uh, the Hops and Brews logo in the middle there. Oh, I'd, take, so, one. I'd yeah. take a few. Yeah, I'll get you a couple of those. You know, because I have that kind of power. <laughs> well, yeah, it's called a laser. Yes. <laughs> you literally have that, like, power grid, in, in, power supply mm -hmm. in your house. That was, that was the joke. Fire the laser! <laughs> uh, green checking in with five bucks. Thank you very much, sir. Repaired embedded XP system today. Tested the replacement board. Got just in case. Second boot, the replacement board. Donated a cap uh, within spec safe setup. Okay, I'm, I'm going to interpret that. Uh, sorry, I just read Vince's comment. I'll read that in a second, Vince. Uh, repaired an embedded XP system. Got uh, got a replacement board and a second board. The sec the replacement board had a bad cap, so I replaced that, tested it, and it's within safe spec. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, Vince, LTX is canceled. LTT just made a video about Ventoy instead. <laughs> um, I've reached out to Ventoy a couple of times because... Uh, I made these for uh, PDX LAN attendees and and forgot them at home, of all things. I was going to give one to every every patron who attended a PDX LAN. But uh, I, I, I knocked up some USB keys. Oh. They're wooden USB keys with Craft Computing on one side and the Ventoy logo on the other. And they're, they're laser etched and engraved and they, they look beautiful. I want to sell them. Uh, and I've reached out to Ventoy, I think, three times now uh, to their admin team saying, hey, I'm craft computing. There's kind of a meme of just use Ventoy. And so I was wondering if I could sell Ventoy USB keys preloaded with, with Ventoy using your logo. And I'd be happy to license the logo from you and be able to, you know, be able to sell it and whatnot. I'm not modifying anything. I, I would be using your IP and, and I want to make sure everything's fair and above bore. I'm not just going to you know, if I'm giving these away as a joke, that's one thing. But if I'm monetarily making something that's completely else, and I want to make sure I'm fair about it, and they won't reply to me. And I, I, I so want to add these to craftcomputing.store because <laughs> they're awesome. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, if you guys can get Ventoy's attention, I would be more than more than appreciative on that one. Uh, let's see, hard uh, slow hardware. Thank you again for the super chat. Uh, do you have a community Discord? Also, have you tested a W3175X? I saw some engineering samples on eBay, fairly cheap. Twenty-eight core unlocked Xeon. Unfortunately, engineering samples aren't really. The 3175X, uh, they are uh, 8380 uh, engineering samples or 8350, uh, 8382, something like that. Uh, I think they might have been second gen Intel scalable, uh, Cascade Lake. Um, uh, but they are not really unlocked. Uh, and I believe they have a base clock of 1.8 gigahertz. Remember the 3175X was the five gigahertz, 28 cores, all chips, as long as you have 2000 watts of liquid chiller under your desk at, at Computex a couple years ago. Um, uh, this was the, the straight up Xeon low bin variant, not the extreme edition that are being sold as, as those on eBay. Um, so, I haven't tested one. I've met a couple of people who have ran them. They run them because they're stupid. <laughs> they're, they, they know they're not getting phenomenal performance out of it. They know it's taking more energy than God can muster in through a you know a, a twelve gauge wire. But uh, they they do it because of the meme, not because of the performance. Um, and. Uh, while the chips may be cheap, running a motherboard for one of those is still very much not. Uh, looking for like a Dominus Extreme motherboard, they're still like six and seven hundred dollars on eBay and on used sites. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of generic Xeon. Uh, uh, gosh, what is that socket? Thirty-seven forty-six, something like that. Uh, there's not a lot of generic. ATX socket boards that'll take that chip. So, yeah. Uh, do I have a community Discord? No, uh, I I do paywall my Discord, but it's only a dollar to join. Uh, what that means is if you want to troll me, it'll t it'll cost you a dollar. Uh, <laughs> uh, it also keeps... I mean, come up. Yeah. It, <laughs> it is honestly a fantastic Discord. Uh, yeah. It's... Uh, and we... I paywall it simply to keep it streamlined. Uh, and it allows me to keep things a little bit more on topic. It, it allows me to, to moderate a little bit more, but without having to spend all of our time moderating, if that makes sense. Um, the moderation is just, hey, move this to another channel, please. Not like, oh my God, the incels are out. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that problem over on, on mine. No. Uh, so... No. Yeah, no, it's uh, it is definitely worth the dollar a month to join. So, although I don't know what that is in Kiwi bucks, so good good luck with the uh, with the conversion, conversion. there. <laughs> hey, maybe what is that? I think it's about forty 63, cents. Sixty-three. Okay, sixty-three cents are our, our, our money. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking they'd be a little lower than Australia, but no, they're they're pretty much bang on. So yeah. which. Does make sense, also. Uh, yeah, thank God we don't have a community. Yeah, uh, yeah, the meme channel is worth it alone. I agree. 
especially when Vince and I repost each other on a constant basis, because I I guess we follow pretty much the exact same people on on Twitter and forums for meme posts. So it's who who logged into uh, to social medias earlier this morning get gets first crack at all the memes in there. Oh, I know <laughs> that's ha- half the time, and then people are calling like repost, repost. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's more of like it's not funny. It's I got it first. Haha. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the after party is the best part. We do also do an exclusive Discord after party after every live show uh, where we hang out for an hour or two, drink more beer, and literally video chat with whoever wants to stop in. So if you want to talk directly with me, ask me questions. Um, I do that quite often uh, every, every Wednesday after the show. Um, I'm also looking at adding like a second time slot for, you know, a, a midweek party or, a, you know, something like that. I need to find a time that's polar opposite of of that one to make sure that people who don't have the opportunity to join for example if you're in the eu you're not going to wake up at 4 a.m and have a beer with me uh yep. so you know look, why not we could we could find another time to do that <laughs> yeah well not all of you are going to are going to do that yeah well the nice part too is also like other larger discords like if you if you ping you yourself any one of the hosts we reply back yeah you know um that's also the nice part. Yep. Yeah, we, we have a dedicated ping all four of us uh, thing. Mm-hmm. So like, hey, we I want your opinion on this thing. One of us is awake. I guarantee it. Yep. Uh, not to say that the EU couldn't wake up at 4 a.m. and crack a beer. Exactly. Uh, Joshua, is the Tesla P4 still worth buying? Absolutely it is. Uh and in fact, it's gone well under $100. You can get it downwards of like 80 bucks now. Um, and for a virtualized graphics card or or something to sit in a server and transcode, it's got... Remember, this is the GP104 GPU die. And so it has dual NVENC uh, hardware encoders. Now, they're the older encoders, the pre-Turing encoders, but they're still hella efficient at, uh, at X264 or excuse me, H.264. Um, and you can encode like 20 or 25 4K like Blu-ray quality streams with one card at under 75 watts. It's insane. Uh, uh, or, you know, somewhere around high-end GTX 1660, low-end 1070 performance, depending on, on the game and depending on, you know, how you want to actually divvy the card up uh it's a solid solid deal for a server card especially on a low profile no discrete power option uh it is better to drink out of a brown paper bag at 4 a.m <laughs> uh no that's just continuing drinking at 4 a.m because uh, i was gonna say it really all matters of like are, are you continuing or are you waking up like what is it is this the start of your day is this the end of your day yeah exactly so anyway with that all said uh let's go ahead and get into the news starting with uh last week intel declared that nooks were dead and literally like six days later seven days later uh they have signed away the rights and uh future development of nooks as a platform to asus and in fact the bigger news about this is that this is a non-exclusive agreement. So 
Asus is going to be the primary uh, contact if you have an existing 10th through 13th gen Nook and need ongoing support. Um, uh, they will actually handle support from this point on out with existing Intel Nook products. Uh, they will also get all of the designs to current Intel Nook products and be able to produce them themselves. And they will be able to iterate on those designs and come up with new designs. The non-exclusive part is Intel could also license these designs to other OEMs who wanted to get in on the party. So say Gigabyte wanted to take one of the new 13th gen Nooks and uh, make their own box based on it. They can absolutely do that as well. This is not an exclusivity agreement with Asus that Asus is going to be the only low power Nook-based PC moving forward. Uh, we've obviously got a lot of uh, different partners involved with low, what I like to call low volt desktops. They are using essentially mobile variants of Intel chips in small form factor desktops. You've got companies like uh, like Zotac, B-Link, Minis Forum, uh, all using variants of these, uh, these CPUs, but all on essentially the same type of platform. Uh, so the ecosystem is definitely healthy and definitely not going anywhere. Uh, but Asus now gets to officially take up the torch. And, uh, if you like what Intel did with some of the, the 12th gen Nooks with the GPU expansion, or even the Nook as a PCIe riser board, that is, you know, all ISA slots, like, like, you know, system on chip, system on board type things. Uh, then yeah, uh, more of that coming our way. Yeah, I was uh, uh, yeah last week when I saw that the Nook was going away. I was I was kind of sad. I like Nooks, uh, yeah, as a purpose. In all general, we have a few at my work, and um, I always like playing with them. And I'm always like, man, this thing's so tiny. And it's certain ones are powerful, and certain ones obviously are older gens that are not. But I'm always in the back of my head, I could use this for X because it's so tiny and doesn't use any power. And, and you know, with a little bit of tweaking, it it can still be a pretty decent little uh, PC. Yep. Um, so I'm happy that they're continuing. I know there are other small form factor PCs, low power ones, but really that are out there that weren't Nooks. But Nook has always been the ones I've always thought about when I think of what is a small PC, compact, ultra compact PC that I wanted that does still kind of offer me some form of upgrade ability yeah. too. And um, that has really good performance, bang for its buck and everything. Um, and I've always thought of that. So I'm glad that they're going to be continuing on. Um, Asus, I've never disliked, never hated. So yeah, that's fine with me. Just as long as they don't kill it by using cheaper parts for some weird reason. I, I This is great. I like this. I am happy again. Yeah. No, uh, like I said last week, I, I was never in fear that the you know, low volt style desktop, small form factor, low power was going to go away. Uh, it's just Intel would no longer be the primary OEM for a lot of yeah. these, these, you know, style systems. Um, so yeah, as far as what's, what's next, uh, there's, there's a lot of talk that moving to, uh, Meteor Lake, uh, that is uh, Intel's next generation uh, 
next generation CPUs, the ones that are going to be manufactured by TSMC, by the way, uh, are going to a chiplet style design, a la what AMD's been doing for the last number of years now. Uh, and that could actually open the door for a lot of these low volt desktops to use uh, a chiplet style Intel XE based GPU. And so think of like your, your Intel A380, your, your Alchemist Arc A380 GPU. Uh, there's no reason in the world that couldn't be integrated onto a low volt CPU moving forward. And that chip sold by Intel for laptops and integrated desktops like this. Uh, so as far as like performance level, we obviously we've been experiencing high level performance from AMD as far as graphics goes for a number of years from their APUs, but Intel has always lagged just a little bit behind. Even when it seemed they seemed to be making headroom, AMD would come in and just like counterpunch them immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been really looking forward to to the Meteor Lake launch, especially on like, like I said, the low power ultrabook style CPUs, potentially getting some XE graphics in there with a decent amount of compute units to go along with them. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> Ugh, got a tickle. <laughs> well, there's a beer I for I need that. more beer. Ah, there we go. That helps. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I concur. <laughs> uh, let's see, Slow Hardware says, I've managed to get my 6950X i7 to come near 10900K in single and multi-threaded performance. What GPU could I get away with not bottlenecking too hard at 1440p? 1440p, you're not going to bottleneck with much um, outside of... 3090, 4090, 4080, maybe 4070 Ti. Uh, even a 3080, you're you're going to be hard pressed to find a bottleneck, a CPU bottleneck at 1440p. Uh, does it exist? Sure. Is every game going to going to be perfect? No. But quite honestly, I don't think you need to worry about that. Uh, so much as just buying the best graphics card you can because almost every graphics card is still going to scale very well with 10900k level performance the only ones that are not like i said are the current flagship so your your 7900 xtx your 4090 your 4080 those style cards This is not bad. How's your, how's your, I was going to say, how's your, how's this IPA? Um, it's not bad. It definitely has, it's not very bright. It, it's, it's definitely a, uh, a thicker IPA. Uh, gosh, what would I equate this one to? Somewhere between sticky hands and stone. Oh, okay. Um, right. it, it's that, that resiny type, type IPA. Not quite as thick, not quite as dank uh, as as your sticky hands would be, but uh, but it's definitely a, a, a richer flavor. Uh, there's there's not so, a lot of citrus. There's not a lot of so maybe not a northwest, but maybe like American IPA. American, you, you know, know, your 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 west coast IPA, but your your 
your your dank west coast not necessarily yeah. your northwest ipa right yes exactly yeah uh, and i know we're, that's technical terms but yeah those we're are getting things. deep into the esoterra <laughs> of, of ipas right now uh but yeah no th- this is it's definitely solidly a west coast ipa and there's definitely a lot of the those oregon washington hallmarks that are in yeah. there um you know, this ain't no Kansas or, or Arkansas IPA. It doesn't taste like dirt. Um, okay. Offense meant if you live in those areas. Your beer sucks and you should feel bad. Uh, <laughs> it's like grass and pine and malt. Right. Yeah, grass, pine, malt, and the grass, you cut it... You cut it in the morning and, it, and it's just slightly damp. Like, it's, it's that kind of... That kind of grass, yeah. So a little sticky. Yeah. Uh, Justin wants to know, what are your thoughts on using Seagate Exos drives for a NAS instead of Iron Wolf? Uh, seems like Exos is better and they are cheaper. Uh, the Iron Wolf, the main thing with those is all of them come with data recovery services added in. And so you're you're technically paying for a five-year warranty and data recovery if you ever needed it. Versus the Exos drives are basically a very similar enterprise grade drive. Uh, and I believe they come with a three-year warranty. It might even be a five-year warranty, but they don't necessarily come with that data recovery component. Uh, and so it's a little bit more like, you know, your own risk kind of thing. Seagate Exos drives are fantastic, though. Uh, I've I've been running a number of them for quite a few years. Uh, I think my main NAS has seven 14-terabyte Seagate Exos in it right now. Uh, and I'm actually looking at expanding using a similar drive. Uh, so, yes, uh, fantastic discs, very affordable. Um, you know, on Amazon, they were, I think the 12 terabytes were going for like 100 bucks recently or something like that. So, yeah, depending on where your, your budget is at, if it's, you know, 10 or 12 terabyte discs or if you're getting into the 14, 16, um, definitely a good option. You know what else is a good option? Hosting your services with Linode. There you go. Uh, let me find my button there. There it is. Today's video episode, whatever we're on, of Talking Heads is brought to you by Linode. <laughs> Hosting your own servers also means you get to host all of your own problems. And even the most skilled network engineers will tell you you should decentralize your network. So why not host your services with Linode? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes software for most of the tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad blocking recursive DNS server, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex servers, and more. They offer shared CPU plans for as little as $5 per month and can scale as high as your needs go, whether it be virtualized hosting, dedicated enterprise GPUs, or NVMe block storage. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode is also expanding at light speed, with 12 new global data centers planned before the end of this year. Visit linode.com craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. Again, that's linode.com craftcomputing, and again, a huge thanks to Linode for sponsoring today's episode. Ew. Ah, I just turned off. Uh, well, I still have. Huh? What? Doesn't matter. <laughs> ah, nothing. I turned. I, I I turned off uh, the the tab for our live stream. Ah. YouTube. Say so, so you okay over there? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I got it. I'm back.
right. Oh, well, I just use it for chat. <laughs> All right. Pop out chat. That's what All I'm right. <laughs> pop out chat. We're good. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, we're good. Cool. <laughs> All right. You have to be worried over there. Uh, next story is is going to be a little bit of a discussion on the industry as a whole when it comes to big tech, specifically big software. Um, and I haven't prepped John at all for this. I, I just posted the story. So as long as you've read the story, <laughs> you're probably caught up with where I'm, I'm at. And, and I think we can talk about it in general. Um, so... CNBC reports that Microsoft stock uh, jumped after it announces a $30 per month AI subscription service for Microsoft 365. If you're not caught up, what that is, is Microsoft has announced that they will be integrating ChatGPT as a Clippy style assistant. They didn't say that, I'm saying that. Uh, I was going to make the same joke. Right. As a Clippy-style assistant, writing prompt, how do I use Office 365? What button do I click? Uh, natural language AI chatbot in Microsoft 365, but they hadn't previously announced a subscription service for it. Now, they are saying that if you want access to ChatGPT and that AI assistant... And your organization subscribes to Microsoft 365. It's going to be $30 per user per month. Exclamation <laughs> word. That's I don't know thing. if anyone's priced out Office 365 before, but plans start at like $3 a month for organizations. $7 for fairly well-equipped and multi-terabyte storage plans and things like that. When you get into like the $20 a month, you're talking like, you know, five nines, six nines uptime guarantees, individual Microsoft account reps, 24-hour support, you know, scratch your back, wipe your ass for you. Like it, it includes everything. They're talking $30 more per month per user for ChatGPT integration into Office 365 or, or Microsoft 365. Holy crap. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, that, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see the benefit of it. I don't see what this is doing. Why 30 bucks? There are so, so many other things I believe there's like a bunch of other tools that are pre-filled. Check my grammar. Check this. You're saying that you will pay 30 bucks for write this story for me, or can you adjust this paragraph for me? Just built into 365 instead of a free version going to the ChatGPT website and just using it, or any other free AI website that are already out there, especially with. Microsoft's AI is or, or uh, Bing's AI is already free, which is a Microsoft product. So, thirty bucks for something like that. I mean, I didn't read exactly what the features are, but I can't see it being worth that. And I almost wonder if this is—I don't know what the, what's going on here. If there's other business nefaria 
going off with it, but writing prompts design, whatever. I mean, everything's using these AI prompts and I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't. I, don't, I It's a good tool. I understand AI is a good tool, but including it into everything and in, integrating it, but then making it a paid for service when it's already free in all these other places. Uh, I understand they got to they got to do it. 50 cents a dollar fine that makes a, a sense the, at least the the problem right now is chat gpt as an algorithm is immensely powerful but it also requires an immense amount of power to make it all work uh and right now the reason you can get um you know office 365 uh and and all the the associated you know, bells and whistles is because storage doesn't cost crap yeah. for enterprise. Uh, what costs money is compute. And ChatGPT is a 100% compute model, not a storage model. So right now, if you're Microsoft, if you're, if you're any number of tech companies, you know, if, if you're, if you're Alexa, if you're, you know, or Amazon or whatever, you're trying to figure out how to monetize this, but you also understand that unlike models that you've monetized in the past that rely almost purely on storage, uh, this one has a backend ongoing cost associated with it outside of just power and cooling. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a real cost and it's a real thing. Uh, and while it does... It's going to entice some people. It's going to, uh, it's going to turn some heads. It's going to get some customers signed up. It's going to to move some money. You also have to make sure that your investment is paid for. Now, the problem with all of this, all this being said, is the direction of big software tech today. Uh, Look, a lot of us are already fairly displeased with subscription model services where we don't actually own platforms anymore. Uh, you can't buy Photoshop. You rent it month to month. Yep. Uh, you know, there there's so much disgruntlement, I would say, in, in some of the tech community you know, some of the community in general who just uses software, which is basically everyone, uh, over services like this. Uh, you know, I'm the generation of the cable cutters. We were the first to go, I don't need a landline when I have a cell phone, uh, which confused the heck out of the first like 30 job interviews I ever had. Well, you know, well, what if we can't reach you on your cell phone? Well, then you can't freaking reach me because... <laughs> You're probably more likely to reach me on my cell phone. Right, than call my the landline. cell phone. Well, what if we can't get to you on on your cell phone? Then leave a damn message. You're the one who invented the answering machine. <laughs> like, um, so there's that whole whole thing. But we cut cable TV. We cut satellite because we stopped seeing a return outside of you know live sports and the occasional thing that you know the occasional series. And it's like, well, I'd rather just pay for that a la carte if I can. And so now cable TV is as good as dead, but now we're paying for, you know, 
how many subscription services do we already do do we have i mean obviously we've got amazon prime and that comes with amazon video you've got i've, I've got youtube premium that i that i pay for um you know which if i'm being honest if you have over a hundred thousand subs at least youtube could kick you that per month like like could we just <laughs> yeah yeah i know <laughs> you took you away my the... you took away my personalized rep and and the the person that i could call if i ever had a problem or a question about youtube the least you could do is make me not watch ads on your platform anymore Right. As yeah, I'm I, as I'm drawing hundreds of thousands of eyeballs per month, like, I know. like can as we just you, agree uh, for that? I'm invested in your company. You gave me a literally a plaque that shows how how devoted I am to this platform, and you're like, nah, still pay us, right? Right? Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> and I, I make can you know I I make money from YouTube, but they're still taking money from me. So it's 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 all kind of yeah. Um, yeah, but. We may have gotten away from, you know, paying for satellite TV and paying for home phone service and and all these other things that, you know, your boomer parents probably still have. Uh, but in my job, I'm reliant on so many different subscription services to to keep data flowing, to, to keep these other things going. So, I mean, Prime and, and premium, yeah, I could probably do without those, quite honestly. I could wait a couple more days for my packages. I could, I, I hardly ever use Amazon Video. I could sit through ads for YouTube, but at the same time, a YouTube premium subscription does benefit creators that you watch more than ad revenue does. And so paying back into the platform, yeah, it's the least I could do. Uh, and it saves me time. But things like Adobe, things like... Google thing. Uh, I, I have a, a G Suite or Google Workspace or whatever the they're calling it these days. Uh, yeah. They seem to change the name about once a month. And that's been a or one, once every six months. And that's been a common thing over the last nine years with Google. Uh, but whatever they call it these days, uh, I, I own domains with Google. I host my email and storage servers with Google that are that are cloud that are cloud-based storage. Uh, I, I pay for individual accounts for myself, all of the hosts. So they all have email if, if, uh, if they need be, or we're registering for an event and they need a corporate email address. I have to keep those accounts active and open. Uh, I, I've got a merch account. I've got a management account. I've got a business account. All of these are different accounts that I have to pay an, an, a monthly fee for. It's like twelve or thirteen dollars a month. I pay Google one hundred and fifty dollars a month to to run my cloud services. And I'm not exactly the largest cloud footprint in the world, uh, but it's kind of a necessary thing unless I want to host my own domain on my own servers. And I'm sorry, I'm just not that masochistic anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, I don't get what this is, what this brings. I, I'm still, I'm really like, re, I read the article three times, like, I still don't get what this brings. I mean, they're saying it's a 50% increase. Uh, the subscription based, it, it's, I, I agree with everything you're saying of all of the stuff that we're paying for now, Office is, is subscription based and Adobe and all those things. I, even today, my wife was looking for a good video editor on her phone and I was trying to find one and everything is 
If it's free, then the, you, you get a watermark. If it's not, here's a subscription for $1 to, to $10 a month. Mm -hmm. And then there's there's another you know, app that you got to subscribe for. And then there's everything is subscription-based now. Mm -hmm. And actually, as you were going off of the whole wire cutting thing, it almost led to us being the problem of we, we made it subscription-based for it. We kind of got too into it. Our, our <laughs> generation got to like, hey, you can make money off it. So that all the big ones mm -hmm. are like, everything's now subscription-based. Mm -hmm. um, I, I am, I, I think right now, at least in the entertainment business, we are seeing a downfall that it, it got too big and they're trying to have to consolidate. All these streaming services are collapsing um, and then they're buying each other out. Who, who could have ever foreseen that an individual studio doesn't produce enough content to yeah. require a subscription service? Uh, you know, quite honestly, Netflix was the answer because if you can't, uh, most individual studios, no matter who you are, you know, Disney, Apple, outside of that, who is large enough to maintain their own catalog and require a subscription service for it? Uh, yeah. Netflix every once in a while, they get hot, but then they also get cold uh, with, you know, oh, this wasn't an immediate success and didn't immediately spike our, our subscription renewals or things like that. So we're just going to cancel it after half of the season. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to cancel my account anyway because I liked that show. And yeah, now there's no reason for me to stick around. Right, there, there's so much short-sightedness almost and, and not enough just like, hey, let's just allocate, you know, 600 million a year to making original content. And then I guarantee we could make that back you know, by making making shows and things like that and having things to come back to. That's literally Disney's business model anymore. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's... To the point of, of Microsoft charging a $30 per user per month subscription to use ChatGPT in conjunction with their Microsoft 365 accounts. Um while ChatGPT is insanely powerful, unless your unless your business and your your employees require that workflow, um, man, is that going to be a hard pill to swallow? Uh, you know, as as they said. Adding on a generative AI subscription should reportedly cost enterprise users an additional 50% or more per month. And like I said, I know what Office and Microsoft 365 subscriptions cost on a per user basis. Like I said, they start at about two to 250 per user, depending on the size of your organization. And you know they go up quite substantially depending on what services you need and add-ons that you'd like, um, you know. Uh, organizations that I worked for frequently saw, you know, $12, $14, $16 per user uh, because they needed all these additional services or, or extra, you know, extra benefits or things like that. $30 on top of that, though? Well, also, like, who who is getting to keep the data that goes through the AI? Who, you know... Um, Microsoft owns it. Yeah. Um, so, er right. If you type something in the chat GPT, that becomes Microsoft's property. Now, the thing about content generated by AI, no one can own that. You can't copyright yeah. it. 
Microsoft can still data farm it and and say, was this a good response? Was this a bad response? Use their own algorithms and analytics to figure that out. Um, but uh, but you as a user or a company, if you're relying on it for writing code, that code is not trademarkable. Uh, if, if you're relying on it for writing uh, articles on the web, you can't copyright or trademark those articles uh, if, it, if they're generated by, by AI. Now, that brings up another question of how is anyone ever going to know? There's well, there was that. Well, I think it was a couple of weeks ago or, or a couple of months ago. There was I forget what company, but they were trying to figure out like a bug in their system, and they asked ChatGPT, and then their code essentially got leaked because they had to say, "Hey, can you find the bug?" They found the bug, and then someone used that code as a solution, which then they were like, "Oh, we know this looks like it's for I, again." I forget. Right. We no. We cool. we talked about the uh, Samsung. Yeah. It was Samsung, Samsung that did that. Thank you. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. That uh, they uploaded a, a section of code and said this this keeps bugging out. And ChatGPT found the bug, but because they uploaded a string of code, that code is now part of ChatGPT's database. Yeah. Of of things that it can look at and and pump out as output. Uh, so, I mean. Yeah, how, how much how much crucial information do people use for Microsoft 365 for sharing files back and forth? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and if they use like, hey, copy and paste, make sure into into Chat GPT. Can you help me phrase this better to sound XX or, or format this in a better way? Boom, that information is now Microsoft's. Um, even if you have autofill, if you have autofill, I believe then it's scanning everything you're typing. And if if, they're, if it's supposed to be using ChatGPT, that means ChatGPT is you're basically typing into ChatGPT first. It's almost an overlay of a skin, and then as you say, send email out or send message out. It goes through ChatGPT, then your email. Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, that's just a theory. That part is a theory of how they were probably doing it. Yeah. Uh... The end result is obviously ChatGPT is hugely powerful and has implementations and, and usage paradigms that we haven't even fathomed on on this show uh, or, or, you know, are never going to approach on this show simply because I may not have that use case for it. Um, but there are companies out there that thrive on content generation on you know being the first to report something on an article and you know heck this goes into our next news story uh <clears throat> let, let, let's just jump to that one and then maybe we'll wrap it up with a little ai uh nvidia launches the geforce rtx 4060 ti 16 gigabyte without seeding review samples to anyone because apparently no news is better than bad news <laughs> Uh, if you hadn't seen this, the 4060 Ti is $499, uh, $100 more than the 4060 Ti 8GB model with all of the same specs, all of the same boost, and more importantly, the same crappy 128-bit memory bus. Mind you, I kind of forgave that on the 4060. It's really hard to forgive on the 4060 Ti at $400. It's even more difficult to forgive now that you're paying $100 uh, more 
for literally eight gigabytes of video memory to be tacked on top. That's like $11 in cost for NVIDIA, if it's even that much. It, it might be as little as like a dollar a gig. Uh, I know, it's just that you're saying eight gigs for a hundred bucks? <laughs> That's nothing. Because I haven't torn down a 4060 Ti, the memory pads might be there. Like they might've just put the chips on it and populated it. And uh, and boom, we've got 16 gigs now. Uh, same TDP, same memory bandwidth, same PCI Express interface, $100 more. Well, that basically is the, I mean, Maybe they just wanted to put it out there to be like, uh, just for just for stat boards. I don't know. Just to say, like, look, there is a 16 gigabit version out there. I, I've accused NVIDIA of trying to fill every single market segment at every price point, regardless. Like, every $50, we have to have a new SKU. We have to have another yeah. SKU to, to, to saturate the market. And that, that has been their strategy over the last number of years, is market saturation by obfuscation uh and and there's so many different skews and models of 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 gpu out there that uh eventually you're just going to say well i just have 400 dollars, so i'm just going to buy this one uh so yeah i mean i i guess that technically i i see the strategy but the skews just trying to keep up with them and the overhead and the backstock that they're going to have is ridiculous. But yeah, I get it to where like this then stops their competitors from hitting that tiny little midpoint and then having creators like yourself say, argue about, you know, well, technically this is a better budget and you're getting that little bit more, but it's not really, you know, um, uh, but the problem is because they're doing this so much, it's oversaturation. It, it just doesn't, bring anything special to any of their products nothing looks good anymore they're just overpricing everything that they're doing i guess um they're they're it's it's almost like a brewery just releasing an ip and all they're doing is just changing one of the malts and saying making this huge ordeal <laughs> of oh sorry yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know oh it, wow it, another 8.4 percent hazy i wonder what's in this one <laughs> yes uh that's essentially what it is it, and then we're coming back now like oh these are all tasting the same all of these video cards are literally the same they're like well no this is special check it out it's got an extra eight gigs yeah that's like saying you went from an eight percent ipa to an 8.2 percent ipa and you're charging me an extra yeah. four dollars now it's eight dollars a can but, but but mind you the step up from this is the 4070 at $599, which only has 12 gigs of GDDR6X versus 16 gigs. But if you don't have the power to drive performance of all the textures that require 16 gigs, gigs of buffer, the RTX 4070 looks like an absolute waste of money as well now. Like you, you literally diluted your own product line by trying to fill a stat sheet. Um, I don't even know anymore. Like I said, I I was tired of all the negativity of every single graphics card that launched has sucked over the last years, but eventually you do need to like take a step back and reevaluate. 
And I don't want to get back into that conversation today, but I, I did give the RTX 4070 and the 7600 a bit of a pass because they performed within 5% of each other. They cost $20 different. Uh, and they're still faster than the last gen in 85% of, of instances. There's a couple instances they're slower. We can complain about that all day, but if you bought a 4060, you're going to be 11% faster than a 3060. And if you bought this card, then it doesn't matter if you matched performance on the last one. It doesn't matter to the end consumer. So that was kind of my point. Anyway, holding the manufacturer accountable, that's another conversation. And that's where the reviewers all get it completely right. Uh, but telling the consumer to buy anything, that's a crap take. Um, anyway, I'm willing to forgive some things on cheaper products. I'm willing to forgive, oh, 128-bit memory bus on a $300 card, as long as it performs where I think it should perform. And my average for the RTX 4060 at 1440p high settings was 96 FPS. Okay, cool. Is it going to struggle in one or two games? Yeah, it, it is. It, it's going to struggle if you feed it 4K textures. Uh, your 1% lows are going to fall in a couple of very specific circumstances. But for the most part, you know, it's a solid performing card at $299. Is it the best value we've ever had? No. But at $299, I don't think you're going to be unhappy with your purchase either. That was that. Was that. The 4060 Ti, $399, 50% faster. 4,352 CUDA cores versus 3,072 CUDA cores. Similar boost clock. Uh, you know, yeah, same memory bandwidth. Duh, 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 duh. Like, it, there's some problems with that. Same 8 gigabyte buffer, which means you're not getting any more memory for your money, that kind of thing. Um, but it is faster, but it's also going to be more subject to, to memory bottleneck limitations and memory headroom limitations because you have the, the GPU power to push those settings a little bit higher, which means you're more likely to run into memory and memory capacity limitations. Um, the 4060 Ti, I know I fought against this, but holy crap, what a crap offering. <laughs> Holy crap, what a slap in the face, kicking the balls to to even exist. And and I am so not that person, but holy god. Ugh. It's unforgivable at $500. It is absolutely unforgivable at $500. Something that I can forgive at 299. I can't forgive them at 499. And 128-bit bus with no additional CUDA cores, no additional performance. Oh, and the step up from that has less memory. Yeah. Product stacks designed to make you buy the best thing only. That's what we're looking at right now. Yep. Uh, these, yeah, I don't know. This is it's seeming like it's going back to the whole like uh what we were talking about just before like the 20 series and everything um or the 30 series. Where, where it was that huge jump and these are now coming back to being like these tiny little upgrades that they're only giving you now this is like a tiny performance boost because this is absolutely no performance boost, it's just mm -hmm. a memory boost but then they're kicking you and be like yeah here's a hundred dollars extra Here, the next one it's 150 dollars more for a 10 eight percent boost yeah. something along that lines 
you know, with the 20 series, that was like a 20, 40% boost. And we're like, oh, wow, this, these are going to be cool cards. Yep. Uh, even the 30 series was like that. And these, this, the whole 40 series in general just seems to be majority of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, hope this doesn't continue. <laughs> uh. I'm still going to do my best to deliver, hey, if you need to buy a graphics card, here's the performance you can expect. Um, but especially with the 4060 Ti, I saw that uh, Steve at Hardware Unboxed paid 1,000 AUD for one, uh, just for research purposes, uh, just so he could rip NVIDIA a new one. And uh, again, I'm not really... I'm not that style of YouTuber. Like I, I, I love looking on the bright side of things. As a consumer, am I going to be happy if I bought it? Uh, versus industry as a whole, I'm, I'm not an industry analyst. That, that, that is not, that is not my role. That is not where I fit into this thing. Um, and there are organizations that do it far better than I do. But I can still review individual products, you know, tit for tat with the best of them. So don't take that away. Uh, I can't wait to see what Steve says about the 4060 Ti. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, who is it? Al Allison was saying that the art, he's got a RTX 3060 12 gig. It looks better every day. It's like, yeah, yeah, it really does. Uh, I, I kind of picked that as like the, the golden horse too. Like if you're going to, if you're going to hitch onto something, uh, what was it? 330. 40 bucks 360 says, something like that it's selling right now uh 250 to 300 bucks yeah no but but when it was released it was oh, like yeah, when it was released 60 like... or something like that yeah i went that's the one to, to latch on to 3060 ti yeah you get more for performance but man I'm, i am a little bit worried about that 8 gig buffer but the 3060 12 gig i like what that's putting down yeah stand by that today yeah, I think we even talked about the, getting that one even at the 360, mark because we were looking at $400 cards and we mm -hmm. were like, no, that's the better deal because you take that extra savings and $50 to $100 that you probably get, you pop that into more of internal memory or uh, a better hard drive or something like that. Yeah. And that's still true today is it's already dropped down 100 bucks in price and now you can use that money in a better power supply, better storage, mm -hmm. better uh, internal RAM, everything else. John, if anyone uh, needs a better power supply, it's you. <laughs> hey, my bronze thousand watt power supply, it may be melting slightly. It does glow after if I leave it on for an hour, but it still works for that one hour. If you could all see John's power supply, that video never made it to air. And holy crap, oh, what an injustice shit. to humanity as a whole. Uh, <laughs> if you could see the power supply that John has in his PC, you would literally gasp. It's a thousand watt, so it claims. It's a thousand watt and weighs as much as this empty beer can. Uh huh. But it says it says it's a thousand. John, watts. I think the aluminum casing is worth more than the components inside. <laughs> There's more money in the wiring going out of the power supply than there is in the copper inside of the power supply. Does that make sense? It's copper coated, Jeff. It's copper coated. You're right. It's zinc. <laughs> uh, how would the 4060 Ti 16 gig compare to a Radeon 7 across multiple, uh, across the board, uh, do you think? 
Uh, it's interesting you bring that up because I recently picked up a Radeon 7 and I wanted to benchmark it as a $300 graphics card because I picked this up for two, $275, $285, something like that. Uh, so yeah, Radeon 7 benchmarks coming to the channel soon as well as uh, 2080 Ti and uh, Titan X Pascal. I'm going to benchmark all of those as like potential like $300, save your money, get an older card. Crap. Yeah, those are those are selling for pretty decent prices. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, no. Radeon seven. Can I just say one of the most attractive cards of all time? I, I don't even I care if it performs well. I had to own one. Uh I I did get a chance to meet with AMD at CES when this card was announced. And I said, Hey, I'd I'd love to be one of the first reviews for that. And they said, Okay, we'll 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 call you and they never called me. Uh <laughs> so to be fair, last time I was at CES, I had 90,000 subscribers. So, But we had a cool camera rig that we, made us look big. We, we looked badass. We, we were the baddest ass looking uh, YouTube channel there. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was sore holding that thing. Uh, no, that was PAX that, that we had oh, the, the big ass shoulder right. rig. Yeah. Yes, that was PAX. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, no, the, the last CES was uh, me and Steve, actually. Uh, and uh, I had my Z cam. Uh, so we, we. Oh, that we, was still look pretty, pretty we, cool. We too. ran and gu run and gunned with a Z cam with manual focus and cine lenses and everything. Oh, that was, a, that was a riot. That was a lot of fun. What do you. Uh, what do we bring into our thing? Uh, we will be bringing. Hold on. This guy. This is the A7 IV. Oh, okay. Uh, full frame Sony. Uh, autofocus nice. Tamron lens. It's a 28 to 75 f2.8. Uh, digital only stabilization, but but still, you know, fairly easy to hold on to. Yeah. Um, I think I'm just going to record to SD card. Uh, in studio, I record to an Atomus Ninja uh, to, to record in ProRes, but I think the clips that we're going to be doing are going to be fairly short. And okay. so recording to SD card in, in, in X265, I think is going to be just fine uh, yeah. as far as workflow and things like that. So all the Vegas hookers were impressed. <laughs> Steve says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so uh, Rhett and I went and covered uh, AWE uh 2023 a couple months ago in san jose the augmented world expo um and uh we were we had press passes so we were walking the floor early and, and checking a couple things out and uh while they were setting up and uh this this one girl uh walks up and uh and she's just staring at our badges like like we're early we're obviously press you you can treat us like humans like but but she went and she like just like read our badges and and uh, uh, and she went, okay creator and, and uh, uh, oh camera guy and she kept referring Rhett at to Rhett as as camera guy um, and uh, I don't know how the joke got started but it became Herbert from Family Guy being the muscly arm cameraman oh, and, and and so for the rest the rest of the weekend it was uh, oh you bring that fat ass camera over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Waiting for the muscly arm cameraman to shoot my good side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, the I jokes. Didn't that... make it into the video. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> See what we need to do now. We need to take all of those while we're fil- while you're filming those, and those go on the craft short side. Yes, or the the extra, yeah. and then uh, that's yeah, where that, that all needs just to the 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 show anecdotes. Yes, yes. Uh anyway, so or, so or we'll put them on Discord. Yeah, so Nvidia obviously didn't seed uh, review samples of the forty sixty Ti because. The only thing that I can think of is they didn't want the negative press. Like, uh, you know, yeah, they're check cash with me, which means I'm good to say with whatever I want at this point. Kidding. Uh, but, uh, uh, man, $500 for a card that performs less than half as well as the 4070. Uh, doesn't perform any better than the card below it either. Just simply has 16 gigs of RAM. What an absolute kick in the balls. Like, I... We need Jeff to talk in Herbert's voice for the rest of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Get your fat ass back here. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Get get that sound clip. (laughs) That's going to be clipped already. Uh, I'm sure it is. Can't wait to see it. Uh, Somebody make a short out of that. (laughs) Yeah. I might do it. Uh, I'm going to make it my mission tomorrow. Well, I'm, I'm finally ready for my second beer. All right. I, I was getting hot. And uh, so I, I opened my small one. So um, I'll, I'll save my bigger one, but I had the Voodoo Ranger juice. IPA. Ah, wait, what is that? What is that? Oh, it's a crowler. Oh, it's a crowler. I was yeah. like, I don't see a label. Wait a second. How- um, so I went to the tap house today and uh, went like, I, I want some fresh beer for, for my, my show. Like, Cans are great. I love cans, but I want something on draft. And uh, so uh, this, one's, this one's a left field choice. Uh, this isn't like a, a barrel aged stout. It's not, it's not a rare beer. It's a beer that is not readily available this time of year, though. Uh, I went with Freem's Winter Ale. Ah, I wouldn't call that fresh then. <laughs> um, well, it, I was there last week, and this keg was not on there. That could mean one of two things. That could mean they pulled the keg and put it in back storage. It could also mean they had saved the keg and just now tapped it. That's pro- uh or it could mean that they tapped the keg and they're like, we got nothing else. Let's just pop this in there. <laughs> right. Like I did with the cider. Right. Uh, totally could be. I will and, say, and, and, uh, I, I took a sample before I bought the Crowler. And okay. and in all honesty, if done correctly, nothing happened. Nothing happened because, because there's gas. no O2 coming into there's it. There's no uh, O2 right. to even compromise it. So it really doesn't matter. Yeah. So um, anyway, a... Fresh draft winter ale in July. As my wife, uh, hey, Christmas in July. That's right. You know, and and that was kind of the idea was today would be 
uh, almost the the Christmas in July show. That's actually next week on on what is that the twenty sixth? I, I think is is next week's oh. show. But um, yeah, so we got a little Christmas in July beer. Oh, Freem Winter Ale. This is a seven point five. I want to say. Did you say oh oh Freem Freem? You said cream no Freem yeah Freem uh, Freem yes Freem. Uh, Freem actually. Uh, they took over the port. They now have a Portland brewery. Yes, location. yes. I uh, they took over the vagabond. Oh, yeah. The, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they're they're right next to Omsi now. Okay. So instead of having to travel all the way to Bend, you can, we can now travel uh, to just right next to Omsi. Yes. So you can get your beer and go on a submarine ride. Ooh, look at that! See right through that thing. Isn't that pretty? Like, yeah. holy crap. A little bit of red to it. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. Plus, if I crack a crowler, that's what I'm going to be drinking in the after show. So. <laughs> Legit five head on that beer. No, that that's actually almost exactly a proper pour. That's a proper pour. So. Winter Ale should also have a nice thick head. Yeah. Too. Michael's drinking a strawberry ale, undisclosed ABV. Is that from uh, Treehouse by any chance? Oh, I was going to say it's probably mine. Uh, that, that sounds like Treehouse. I, I, I did. I actually didn't even think of your beer when he mentioned strawberry ale. To be perfectly honest, oh, I, it's got I, that joke's gotten so stale. I, I've moved on to John Jay and his like nineteen percent strawberry ales that he brings me. Ah, so. <laughs> Although Novell Love got the joke for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so for those new to the show, there's a couple different stories there. Number one, the first time I had John over for, for drinks and dinner, uh, he brought me some of his homebrew. This is like 10 years plus years ago. 12, 13. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 2010, maybe. Uh so John goes, oh, I do homebrew. And I'm, oh, cool. Like, I, I love craft beer. Let, let's let's have some. And he goes, this is a strawberry ale I've been working on. So he cracks it open <laughs> and he goes to pour it. And and it pours for like a half second. And then the bottle stops. And then literally like a ketchup bottle, he goes. <laughs> and then a whole strawberry falls out of the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then, like, the rest just explodes out <laughs> as it, like, foams in the glass. It's over-fermented. Um, uh-huh. It was delicious. Those four ounces were delicious. They were. That made it into the They glass. were rather good. I, I will say yeah, they so were rather good. Chunky. It was, I, I still claim to this day I am the grandfather of uh, Slurpee uh, Sour Beer. Uh, uh, of Smoothie the IPA. Sour. Of the Jammy Sours. Yeah, those, yeah. The Jammy Sours. I invented those without knowing it. That was all me. Um, the the second set instance of the exploding beers that actually happened in my last house. Uh, yes. So I I, ha- <laughs> I had a studio above my garage, and it was always hot in the summer. We had no central AC, and my office caught sun from seven in the morning until nine at night. It, it was just there's no trees, there's nothing. It's just all day. I'm facing the sun. Um. Anyway. Uh, John had sent over some homebrew to box up to to ship to a patron of ours, and uh, 
um, they're sitting in my in my in my office just for a couple of days, and uh, I'm sitting there doing work like late one night, and I hear pong, like it sounded like someone threw a rock at my like metal garage door, like like that was the sound that, I, and uh, and so I run downstairs, I run outside, I'm looking at my door, I check my cameras, there there's no one drove by, no one walked by, there's no dents on a car or garage door. And I'm like, what the hell was that? And I'm sitting up there a couple days later. Pong! It goes It goes again. Um, yeah, that was, a, a, I think it was a live show too. Another one happened with Steve. Right. Uh, I don't think we discovered it on that live show. I discovered it a, a couple of days later. Um, but yeah, we're on a live show and Pong! And... Uh, I'm looking around going, what in the hell was that? Can't find it. Turns out John's homebrew is exploding in the box. Uh, like seven of the like 12 cans had burst on me. <laughs> Leaked all over. The, they were just sitting in the corner of my office in a cardboard box. And so even if they leaked, it's being absorbed and then evaporated off. And and so I never really knew, except for the box was stuck to my floor when I finally discovered it. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because those are the first ones I started canning. Uh-huh. And that's probably why it made the much, much, uh, a lot of explosions. Yeah. No, it was not was quite to the, to the point where you could, like, feel it. It was three different beers. I don't remember which ones I gave. But I, I was kind of surprised I couldn't feel that 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 pressure release like in my chest from the same room because at least three of them happened in the room with me i gotta go brew another i should make a, like a, even a live video or something brewing a beer again I, I i've been saying you need to get your brewery kit back out and i do you you need to to make that a core of your channel hey today we're gonna make this beer yeah the amount of money i would save versus buying versus making I should I should go do that do all eight of my taps and yeah. I have to live off that for a month <laughs> next year yeah I prepped I mean why not I know that's, that's not a bad idea yeah I wouldn't mind doing like like uh, two gallon batches two gallon batches would be fun to start doing I, I did think about starting to do something like that to where oh this I can brew like a quick two gallon batch yeah and then uh just be like oh because because then i can just turn and burn basically yeah. five gallons takes a while to get out of but uh yeah no uh, I, i've been looking at finally doing some homebrewing of myself and uh and I, i've been looking specifically at doing like two gallon batches of things because i'm not one to to want to drink the same beer for a month yes <laughs> uh that's that's always been my problem of just Okay, I can't. I I could probably like a twelve pack, twenty four pack of the same beer, but then I don't want that beer for a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, IPAs are nice because there's hazies, juicy, sours, all that other stuff. Um, so I can kind of get around drinking those, but man, if it's the exact same beer all the time, five gallons is a bit much. Uh, yeah. All right. We do got some uh, alcohol beer news. We do. Uh, for like we were talking earlier, uh, if any of the UK or English uh, viewers ever do make it on here, there is a particular beverage that might be making or is trying to make its way 
over here from the UK and um, specifically Bourbon County, Kentucky uh, is where they're going to be start hitting it first. And that is um, sheep's milk vodka. Did not know this was a thing, but apparently you can make vodka from anything. I actually did have, uh, I think I posted in the discord last week. It was curd, curd way vodka which is probably pretty much exactly what this would be considered um but black lion vodka which vodka is basically just distilled sugar essentially yeah uh, and then um well vo- vodka make- is a is a grain distillate spirit non-aged yeah uh so yeah they didn't call it a vodka they called it a a spirit, and then they claimed it was closer to tequila. Or sorry, it's sorry, it's not even grain based. It's it's literally yeah, just a sugar. Yeah, malt. Malt. Yeah, malt based. Uh, but so it's Black Lion Vodka, uh, and the guy's specifically name is Tim Spittle, uh, and he is trying to bring this. No, that name makes beverage. me laugh. <laughs> this unique beverage uh, to the states, thinking that it's going to be a thing. And specifically, he's trying to break into Bourbon County, Kentucky. Probably not, I, in my opinion, the best place to start uh, a weird vodka. In, um, in the in the heart of literal bourbon country. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, they're claiming it's good. If you like good vodka cocktails, let's go to Bourbon County, Kentucky. That's where you're going to find the best vodka cocktails. Yeah. Um, probably not. Um, but... They are planning on distributing nationwide. Eventually, I looked into this. This article didn't say that, but I looked into other ones. Yeah. Um, so, if that does sound intriguing to you, and you would like to drink fermented sheep's milk, which at the same time I did not know that was a thing. I know goat. I guess it's goat's milk, right? Yeah. Is it, is it basically goat's milk? Yeah. Or is uh, it- hints of floral. Uh, warmth without fire. It has heat in the back of the palate. I don't know. <laughs> it was just weird. I was like, who? Why? But yeah, you know, I mean, if that's what are everyone in the UK. If that's what you guys like drinking. That's cool. Fine by me. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got one more little bit of beer news. Now, I don't know if you guys got to the beer news last week. I didn't stay that long. Uh, I think we did cover Anchor potentially closing. I think we at least mentioned it. Okay, so, uh, yeah, world famous, one of the longest, I think the longest craft brewery, 180 years. Anchor Brewing, known famously for doing the Christmas beer and a few other ones, uh, was announced to be closed last week. Well, there might be a slight glimmer of hope as there is now a fundraiser, a potential fundraiser for a guy named Matt Walsh, is tr- who is a serial finance investor, is trying to buy Anchor Brewing uh, as a, and keeping it pretty local and still alive. He's got more than 200 companies, or he owns, invested in over 200 companies, and he's got almost 30 other people interested in joining with him to try to purchase Anchor Brewing and keeping it alive in some form and some way. Uh, he was stated that he would even likely been trying to buy it 
ahead of time if he knew it was even up for sale but just didn't know till last week so he has a petition going for uh, change.org to save the brewery he's even uh thinking about launching um a gofundme to to even just help keep it going so if you are a big fan of anchor brewing um personally the only beer i've ever really enjoyed from him is it turns constantly is the christmas ale uh i do see it all the time um they i believe they had a gose that i really liked mm-hmm. uh i i don't even remember the name of it but i for some reason anchor and gose like just sticks in my brain yeah uh so but yeah i i think they're they're really mostly known for at least for my and that christmas ale yeah um uh, yeah. and i usually I'll go to my at, at Christmas time. One of my favorite or wintertime favorite places to go is Johnson Marketplace, and they have what's called like the the, the barrel aged tree or the specialty tree, and they have like it, it's a rack, but they just fill it with trees and or beers, and it looks like a tree. Yeah, Christmas or pine tree, and a lot of times they have aged Christmas ales from them, and those are kind of sought after, like the Bigfoots, uh, Sierra Nevada type stuff. Um, you know, just aged Christmas ales that are specialty. And those are the ones I see and those are the ones I buy. And they're kind of that, that collectible. You buy it every year or you buy something and, and nope. save it for a couple years. I must be thinking of someone else, so, something else, because uh, they don't they don't make a gose. They do a West Coast. They do a Revolutionary Pale. They've got a California Lager, Chris Pilsner, uh, San Pancho, uh steam beer and a couple others so and then yeah, yeah obviously they're, they're christmas beers which are their seasonals yeah um uh, but they've been around for a long time and they're a big staple of the san francisco uh community mm-hmm. um and so even if it was because it was announced i think even like three weeks ago that they were just going to brew within just the local area to try to keep that alive so if that's what he's trying to do and then maybe go beyond it great um so if this is something you like, and that was one of your favorite beers or breweries, seasonally or regularly, if you're up from the West Coast, specifically around the California area, um, maybe check that out. You might be able to help save it. Yeah. And speaking of beers, I am out of mine, so I'm going to go grab my third and final beer. Cool, cool. Uh, let's see. Sounds like John's fridge, mini aged beers. Dark Sky Steve says, heads up nerds. Uh, Severity high, open SSH, remote code execution. Uh, Wow, there's a zero, there's a zero day bug in open SSH related to remote code execution. Uh, So yeah. Keep keep an eye out for that. I had not seen that one yet. All right, I got uh, a double IPA from Nightmare Brewing. Let's see if we get that. The art alone is always fun to see from Nightmare Brewing. Very graphic in general. <laughs> a lot of uh, medieval torture devices. Uh, and it's called a Mancurda and Kuda. It's a double IPA. I love how their double IPAs are 10.2%. <laughs> oh, I smelled it already. <laughs> I love beers like that. 
You crack it open at arm's length and go, oh yeah, yeah. that's what I want. I... <laughs> oh, yes. Easy. Oh, let's see. Brood with Galaxy, Comet, and Polaris. Whoa, that's... <laughs> that's a lot of booze. <laughs> And when John says it, you know it's true. Gosh. Oh, man. That's a bunch of... Shouldn't have done that little bit of pour. I think all the haze is on that. Ah. I think I'm going to regret this one. <laughs> it's... it's Tangy? For that first half a second, it's good. And then that malt and then the liquor with the fruitiness of the hops kick in and you're just like this is a lot yeah <laughs> whoa you, you like, know it's probably too much when it's too much for either me or john uh yeah and what's really funny is uh if you if you guys want to know our palettes the limit of our palettes go out go back and watch our review of the scottish belt here uh on on, <laughs> yeah. on hops and brews uh, where, uh, by the way, this is a, was it a 75%? Uh, I think 74%. Yeah. Yeah. 74, 75. Uh, yeah. We usually we'll measure that in here. proof or like 150 proof. Um, but no, this was a 75% beer, um, which there's 75. no, there's no way they fermented it that far. There's gotta be some tricks involved because, it was, I found out later. So it's like a 25% uh, ice block. Okay. And then, and then, and then they, freeze distilled. Uh, no, that, that would be freeze distilled down to the 25%. And then they just put ethanol. Oh, wow. Okay. So, because Europe has a different definition, the EU has a different definition of beer. Yes. Um, than what we do. So, like, even Dogfish's Head Snake Venom doesn't technically classify as a beer because they do the exact same thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, anyway, 75% beer. Uh, and uh, it was really funny because all four of us, Craft Computing hosts, tried this beer. Uh, and we got like ounce and a half pours. And uh, I was the last one to try it. I, I watched everyone else try it and they're like, oh God. And I tried it, and my first reaction was, wow, that's hot. And then my second reaction was, I don't know, maybe like a little butterscotch finish? Like, uh, I'm, I'm, getting, yeah. I'm getting flavor out of this, guys. <laughs> yeah. But then, after that was done, after the cameras were off, we all, oh. had, a little, we all had a little snifter of scotch. Oh, that was awesome. It tasted like water. <laughs> it was. It burnt. <laughs> that stuff burnt our taste buds off. <laughs> It was, yeah. We had some. Oh, I think it was like, not what Scotch, what it was. It was. It, it might have been the the Sexton Irish Single Malt. I think is what yes, we had. Th it was yeah, like either Sexton or or the uh, twelve year. Uh, uh, Glen Morang, Glenfiddich, something like that. The Viking, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I I, yeah, I, I remember doing the the seventy five percent, and I remember like I'm. It was hot. It was still hot. It was still like, holy crap, my mouth is on fire. That was a fun video. But 
I still got some flavor out of it. And 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 I, I, I still had my wherewithal to go like, no, 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 there's something here. Like it starts here and then at mid it's a little high and then it comes down and I'm getting a little butterscotch and things like that. And, uh, but then I distinctly remember afterwards trying some whiskey and, and being like, I could drink this, nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, it was the weirdest thing because we were kind of thinking, oh, let's have a, a, a good palate cleanser or mm -hmm. something like, hey, let's, we're all, because we were all chit chatting. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, you know, we haven't seen each other in a while. And so together, physically. So we're like, yeah. hey, let's chit chat and stick around. So, oh, let's, 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 pour, everyone get a little, get your glasses back out. We'll pour a little snifter of this yeah. or something. And we just started drinking, like, this tastes like, like water. Like this literally nothing. nothing. Like, I feel <laughs> there's something on my tongue. There's nothing there. <laughs> It was the weirdest feeling ever. <laughs> uh, I oh, I really wish we would have gotten that part on video. That I do too, because that would have so been great. That would have been funny. Uh, we do have one story left to get to, and then we could probably open up to a little bit of Q and A. Uh, by the way, I love scotch. I love scotch too. Scotch, scotch, scotch. Down it goes. Down into my belly. Uh, sends over a two dollar. Super chat, thank you very much. Uh, rank Linux distros. Do you want me to die? Because that's how my death warrant gets written. Uh, when I say one is better than the other, or I, I claim support for one or another, or anything like that. Uh, you'll Hey, you'll get a lot of comments in the chat, uh, or afterwards. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of interaction <laughs> interaction on this video if you do, Jeff. Can I just say I'm so tired of reading some comments, uh, after, especially after the last couple of videos. Um, uh, I did my bike review. I did the Mahogo uh, e-bike review today. And uh, one of the comments I received on my Mahogo LX 4.0 100-mile review was 93 miles is not nearly enough to, for, to form a full opinion on a bike and the ins and outs of it and the daily use and everything. I put 93 miles on this thing. And I named this a 100 mile review. I don't know if you know this, but words have meaning where I come from. <laughs> and- Well, he was like, oh, that you didn't technically say 100 or do 100. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. No, I, I, I had done 93 at the time of filming. And actually, during filming, during that day of filming, I put more than seven miles on the bike. And so even like towards the end of it, when I'm riding the bike, those are miles that are going on the bike. And and if you know the Salem area, I did not cover a small distance in that, in no, that video. Uh, no, I, I mean, I know all the places you went to. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I, I put four miles in, in, you know, just like B-roll footage, just getting a couple trails and things like that into there. Uh, the, the trails that I rode that day were not the trails that I got my experience from, but they're also representative of trails that I rode on. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, as a six foot four man, I appreciated your review immensely more. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, like that was the one takeaway that I really got out of that bike was holy crap. This is a bike meant for tall people. Uh, you know, when you say up to six foot 10, I go, yeah, but I'm six foot four. There's no possible way I still fit. I raised the seat four inches and left the handlebars at their lowest position. 
and I fit very comfortably. Uh, the only other item that I own, the only ever item that I've ever owned that I can say the same thing about are these chairs. My, uh, oh, yeah, my, my Gamdius Achilles uh, chairs. Uh, this was the first ever item I received on Craft Computing where they said, hey, can you review this? And I said, tell you what, if you send me two of them, I'll make sure they're on the show for six months. And they went, cool. Um, and uh, they've now been on the show for six years uh, because they're the only chair that is tall enough for me to sit in. And in fact, it's at its lowest adjustable point. And my, my knees are at a 90 degree angle and my feet are flat on the ground. I, I've never owned a chair like this in my life. And and it's held up over six years of, of literal daily use of like, you know, eight to 12 hour daily use. I like these chairs so much. I bought one for myself at work when I used to go to an office and I would sit in that for eight hours a day and then come back home and film videos and sit in this editing video for another four hours a day. I like this chair. I like this chair very much as a tall person. Um, but uh, tech for tall people coming soon. <laughs> Thank you, John. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, Jay do does Linux reviews. Yes. Uh, yeah, Jay, Learn Linux TV. Uh, fantastic reviewer. Does a whole bunch of, of amazing deep dives in uh, in Linux and whatnot. Good friend of, of mine. Good friend of the channel. Um uh, does it have a sidecar option for Ret? No, unfortunately, no. Uh, the the 750 watt motor is the limiting factor there, and I got into that with it being such a heavy bike. Go watch the video if you're interested in all, at all in e-bikes. I don't want to make this a uh, an e-bike review video. Hey, Tim checks in. Techno Tim, good to see you, man. Uh, I need a tall person chair too. Uh, Gamdius Achilles. I'm six foot four. My knees are at a 90 degree angle and my feet are flat on the ground. And it is the most comfortable chair I've ever owned in my life as a tall person. So uh, get Gamdius to send you one. I guarantee, Tim, they will send you one or two. Uh, I, I said, hey, I do a live show. Can you send me two and we'll sit in matching chairs? And they went, yeah, just make sure they're on the channel for six months. That was six years ago. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, and Techno Tim with a five dollar. How's it going? No, yeah, how's it going with you? What's going on? How's it going, babe? What's up? Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, I don't know where I stand with YouTube commenters as of late because, like, I know what I'm doing with bikes. I've built multiple bikes from hand. I've restored a number of bikes. I've done so many different things with bikes. Uh, my daily driver Schwinn Rocket 88 that I referenced a couple times in the video, I took that as a bare frame and rebuilt it by hand. I know what wrenching on a bike is. And if you say, you don't know what, what a piece of crap this bike is until you, you've wrenched on bikes. I wrench on bikes. All bikes are a pain in the ass uh, <laughs> to wrench on. That's the definition of wrenching. Uh, ask any Ford uh, certified tech what they think of Ford vehicles and they go, all of them are just pieces of crap, pieces of garbage day in, day out. It's because you spend your life repairing the worst of what Ford puts out. 
anything that you have to repair is the worst thing you've ever had to repair because something stripped out, something didn't work right, some, some bolt backed out, and now you're left here picking up the pieces. Perspective, people. Perspective. Uh, but, uh, yes. <laughs> but apparently 93 miles isn't a long enough time to get a good feel for a bike. So tell you what, next time I'll cannonball run it before I bother giving my opinion. Uh, that and just tack on all the RTX 4060 comments on top of that and we'll, we'll be good to go. Uh... <laughs> See, that's what you needed in that video, though, was uh, a GPU commentation while you're writing. And that's what you actually should have done. Should have commented on the 4060 Ti while you were drive writing it. That would have boosted the comments really <laughs> high. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love scotch. I have not been that shocked in a long time. Uh, John? I want you, as a computer enthusiast, uh, to highlight adapter PXE8112 PCIe bridge and right. just Google search it. Okay. Now, wait, what is that thing? How tiny is that thing? Wait, <laughs> what? what is this for? <laughs> <laughs> hey John, do, do you do you fathom what you're looking at right now? Can, can, uh, believe... can you explain to me what you're looking at right now? Uh, well, it's a PCI power port. Wait, uh, check check your chat hey, video. Hey. Here's here's the card. Oh, okay. here's what this is. Okay. Yeah. Can, can you can you see what it is that you're looking at right now? It's a very specific thing. Okay, this... I want to say something, but it, but it sounds stupid. Go ahead and say, say it. Go ahead and say it. it. Is it literally a slot to, just just to change the angle? No. Is that all? Oh it? no! Oh no! We're getting into some good stuff here. This okay, what is it? this up top is PCI Express X16. Okay. This on the bottom is PCI. Okay. But that wouldn't. That doesn't translate. PCI is a 133 megahertz bus that that was popular in the oh I don't know Windows 98 days. Yeah, but I, I, what I'm saying is, who would still have that? This is for plugging PCI Express cards into PCI motherboards. Who would have that? <laughs> I like, don't know. Like Okay, that, that's but they that's are so... but technically PCIe and PCI are bus compatible. I've just never seen sure. it going this way before. But 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 okay. What would you need to, to transfer or even have? Like oh, uh, this piece of hardware. I I need it. I need it. I need it in my new PC. What are they building? What is it? I love scotch. What what is it for? Do, what do, you, do you know? Here here's a potential answer for you. Okay. All right. Um, if you've ever had like one of those ITX Atom motherboards, like like think of like the the Atom three thirty X or something like that, like the dual core Atom ITX motherboards. I, I they know, have a yeah, PCI I I, slot on them. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. This would allow you to plug in 
a PCI Express graphics card. Uh, <laughs> Running uh, at what? 133 megahertz front side bus. <laughs> Why? 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 I mean, there's some... Dis- I, hey, okay, hang on. Do you need it for nostalgia? Like, if you were going to... It wouldn't even like... nostalgia's the wrong direction though. No, but if like... I wanted to plug a PCI graphics card into a PCI Express system and maybe pass that through to a virtual machine, that is something that exists. You can buy like an FX5500 and pass it through via PCI Express to a virtual machine and run a Windows 98 virtual machine with a virtual output. Yeah. And game to your heart's content. What well, in the well, ever loving maybe, is maybe that? you're nostalgic to the card. I don't know. Like what? What if you have like an old Voodoo card you wanted to use? Uh, that for that you would need to go this direction. This that's is the, the other way. Lo- that was the one I was looking at. Yeah. So 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 on my side, I, that's the one I was looking. Yeah. At. So this is a PCI Express X1 to a PCI 133 adapter. Yeah, that was literally the exact one I was looking at. That's funny. Yeah. I I have so many questions. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, we can do the last uh, little article if you want to, and then just get into a couple minutes of question Q and A. Even though I'm pretty sure we've already been doing that. <laughs> Technotam cool. says uh, I need an ISA to PCI to PCIe. They are all technically bus compatible, aren't they? <laughs> what is that? That um, what is that? That meme where you see all the different adapters to get like the old mouse um to to oh no the 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 old one is like a db25 to db9 to gender changer to db9 to ps2 to ps2 to <laughs> usb to usb key yeah okay uh, i've seen that picture you know, you've um, seen that picture yeah i had a guy uh when i was in high school and and doing like freelance computer repair uh try to plug in a USB stick legitimately that way before. <laughs> a USB stick would not work that not, way. Not, not, not so many adapters, but he literally had a, a DB25 to DB9, ser- so parallel to serial. Mm-hmm. He then had a serial to PS2 and then PS2 to USB. He skipped a couple of gender changers in the middle, but it really doesn't matter for the sake of the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I've legit had someone try to do that before. So I, I, ha- <laughs> I have the Sony VAIO Pentium 2 desktop and, and it only has one USB port and I'm trying to plug in this USB key and I have these adapters and so I, I strung them together and I plug in the USB port and it doesn't come on. Can you no, explain to me that- what's wrong? I said, no, I cannot explain to you what's wrong. All I can say is <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> it's not the type. It doesn't read that. No. <laughs> Super nice guy. <laughs> I don't, isn't that how it always is though? There's always that one that, that one friend. Why does this? He's a super nice guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, drivers would be a nightmare as well. Motherboard nostalgia. Uh, please use this in a video. Use a 4060 just to spite people. (laughs) (laughs) I should really run like one of my old Atom boards with, with one of these adapters and run a modern graphics card. Even if it's like an, you know, an RX 6400 or something like that. I think that'd be funny. Again, more, uh, craft extra content. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 
You know, yeah, that would be funny. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we do have one more story, and that is that the Activision Microsoft takeover. Uh, for some reason, the deal is now extended to October, which actually works to the benefit of the FTC, which wanted to blow up this thing anyway. Now the FTC is within, within the timeline parameters to be able to appeal this prior to the contract deadline expiring. So unless it closes earlier... The FTC may still be able to blow this thing up. That's the story. That That's the whole story. Uh, obviously, this is the largest tech takeover in the history of tech takeovers. What is a $69 billion uh, is on the table for Activision Blizzard. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 10, a lot of money. developers. Yeah. 10,000 developers, a dozen different studios. Uh, uh, this would make Microsoft one of the largest game developers on the planet. Uh, uh, the real only detail that you need uh, is that Microsoft avoided having to pay $3 billion in termination fees stipulated by the original agreement if the deal falls through due to the FTC. But... If the deal falls apart after September 15th, they're now on the hook for a $4.5 billion payday in termination fees. So right now, if the FTC comes in and torpedoes this deal in the next six to eight weeks, Microsoft is free and clear. If it goes past September 15th though, Microsoft now has to pay Activision Blizzard $4.5 billion. Whether they buy them out or not. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, Microsoft as because we uh, this is a while ago that we talked about this. I, I don't know. Microsoft. I don't like this them buying this um, and being essentially a monopoly on one of the largest game developers ever. And so that we would only have basically what two major game developing companies. No, no. There's there's far more than that. I mean, Activision's one of the biggest out there monetarily, yes. but that's mainly because of Call of Duty and and the couple of IPs that Blizzard puts out, all of Starcraft I, and Diablo. I, well, that's I, I guess that when I say monopoly, I mean like the the problem is is like the uh, gaming sports world for video game. The you know I forget what it, it's owned by EA. Or, yeah. Yeah. And, EA has uh, the contract for developing, with the exception of NBA basketball, which is held by 2K. Um, EA owns FIFA, NFL, college football, no, rugby. Uh, uh, what, what is it? What is it when you get uh, uh, you're actually a sponsored team for like you know uh, like for playing video games? Esports. Es yeah, just esports. Not esports in the sense of like basketball, but like you know Blizzard playing. You know, there's there's Warcraft tournaments and and mm -hmm. everything like that. Um, of Blizzard and um, Activision is known for having some of the most that are most profitable. So people oh, of tend course. to lean lean toward those, and that's I guess my version of the monopoly because most people want to be good at those so they can make monetary value out of it because they want to be on a sponsored team. Right. Uh, uh, there are plenty of other big 
boxes out there, but there's not a big tournament money driven as much as Blizzard, Activision, all Call of Duty, stuff like that. Correct. Yeah. When when it comes to high end, high dollar gaming, Activision Blizzard is king because of Call of Duty, Overwatch, Diablo, Starcraft, Warcraft, etc. Um, and so, yeah, that, that is a a major consideration. And and the fact that Microsoft then would be owning basically one of the biggest, the the biggest player in my perfect argumental opinion, uh, uh, on that, I don't know. That's just kind of hard. My my only counterpoint Um, to that is one of the biggest benefactors, not sorry, benefactors isn't the right word. One of the biggest proponents of open gaming that is platform agnostic gaming over the last five years has been Microsoft um, with uh, the the Xbox Game Pass with multi-platform multiplayer being such a huge thing. Microsoft is the one who spearheaded bringing That's Call true. of Duty multi-platform uh, to Fortnite. Xbox, yeah. Windows, Steam, etc. Um, and forced Sony and Valve to play ball with that. Um, and and numerous times, Microsoft has actually been the one to go, I don't care if it's on Windows, as long as everyone can does it, can can do it. And yeah. they've actually been one of the one of the biggest, I would say, uh, champions of agnostic of platform agnostic gaming over the last half decade than anyone else has. And to, to their, I believe Microsoft's game leadership is right now realizing exclusivity deals don't work the way we think we do. They get a higher upfront payout, but a lower long-term overall delivery because no one cares about the games anymore. What you need to do is let all players play the game no matter what platform they're on and have the same experience and be able to play the same levels and against the same players as everyone else because that's what will make your game multi-generational, multi, multi-interest vested, etc. And Microsoft has been the champion of that more than anyone else. Uh, yeah. And so... When I hear people going like, well, Call of Duty is just going to become a Microsoft exclusive now. Microsoft went out of their way to go, no, for the next 10 years, we'll bring Call of Duty to PlayStation. And actually signed an agreement with PlayStation this last week, which they haven't even signed an agreement with Nintendo, but they included in their press release that we're also going to bring it to Switch. So they don't even have like a binding agreement with Nintendo, but they went, yeah, we're going to bring it to everyone because it should be platform agnostic. It's just a game and it can run on anything. So why shouldn't it? Yeah. So I mean, that, uh, uh, again, I just, now that all I comes guess, down to Microsoft being the good guy in the situation and not the monopoly holder. And I still share those worries, but I'm saying yeah, if it, there's a company I worry, worry less about, it's probably Microsoft in this, in this right. well, particular I, instance. Si- yes. Well, we were earlier talking about issues with subscription base and 365 and, I got problems with that whole enterprise area yeah. on on their side, but gaming obviously is a different um, company for Microsoft. But yes, I agree with what you're saying. Everything, those points are all good and beneficial. I do enjoy the multi-platform 
aspect, um, I hope they don't turn into the bad guy. Because, you know, you're the good guy for long enough, you eventually find yourself becoming the villain or you die. What is it? You, you die the hero or eventually become the villain? According to Batman. All right. Uh, we got a couple minutes yeah. here still. So if anyone wants to chat, um, we can. If not, I am all, I believe, caught up on um, Strange New or, uh, um, uh, Strange New Worlds. Strange, I was going to say Strange New Worlds. Yeah. So. So we can talk Trek. We can we talk Trek. To. We can talk Trek. So if no one talk, no one says anything interesting that's worthwhile, we're going to yeah. end up doing that. <laughs> uh, now See, Blizzard I, games are starting to come to Steam. Yes, they are. Although Blizzard yes. does still operate their own launcher, as does Activision for uh, uh, for things. But um, everyone else runs their own launcher anymore anyway. I, I really wish Valve would have stood their ground on, no, if you want to run on Steam, you run on Steam. Um, it's annoying doing everything else and just aggravates me to no end. But, whatever. Yay, Trek all day. Pike has boo. Pike has Beeb. Beeb? What? Beeb, awesome. Ben, I, I think that's Ben. Probably Pike has been awesome. Pike has been awesome? I don't know. Funniest Spock uh, episode ever. That one was pretty good. Uh, the most yeah. recent episode. Um, I loved some of the Pike comments that went completely under the radar. Um, which episode? The most recent episode. Spock so, becomes a human because yeah. of... Uh, so, uh, for those who haven't watched episode 5 of Strange New Worlds... I'm going to tell you, spoiler alerts now, although nothing that's really not in the episode description. Spock is in a shuttle accident and becomes human. And this causes conflict because his fiancée, T'Pring, uh, his mother, her mother is becoming... basically has to meet the parents. Has to meet the parents, right. Yeah, got to meet the parents. Uh, Exactly. And so... uh, and comedy ensues, right? Yes. Uh, exactly. The script writes itself. Anyway, um, so Spock is in a shuttle accident. Aliens resurrect him. He's now human. He has human ears. His emotions are that of a juvenile adolescent. Uh, of of like puberty, uh, essentially. Basically, puberty. I, I I feel angry and horny all the time. Is this normal? Yeah. Like- yes, it's totally normal. Yeah. Like a, um, like a senior in high school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he doesn't want his mother to find out. So it, so Spock's mother, who is human, beams aboard the Enterprise and, uh, and, and wants to see him. So Spock comes into the transporter bay and he's wearing a beanie to cover his ears. And, uh, and she goes, what's with that ridiculous hat? And he goes, it's not ridiculous, it's regulation. And then Pike... Under his breath goes, I have one just like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. There, the the uh, little the little digs that Pike gets in, like like as a second thought, as as you're absorbing the joke, are gold in this episode. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's it's good. I I'm in you know what I really enjoy 
this versus and I, I really, really enjoyed the third season of Picard. I mean, that was just oh, mm, chef kiss all the way. Yeah, right, all the way. But this versus Picard and uh, whatever the the the, dis- the weird disco? one, with the rot- yeah, the disco one, <laughs> episodic, the episodic. But it still continues the story of just like, hey, this is right. a week later, a week later, very similar to TNG. DS Nine did this a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it was still. Hey, time's traveling forward. This is just another thing that's going on. And the stories are very episodic, which can lead to this felt like a modern version of an old one. Like you like you said, shuttlecraft. Uh have to meet the parent. Script writes itself. What happened in in uh TNG? Uh Picard turns into a child and the the Ferengi take over the ship. The script uh, writes itself. Right. Worf <laughs> Worf enter, enters a temporal void coming back from from a, a, a Batleth tournament on on Kronos, and uh, and now he's experiencing like six different timelines. Yeah. In one of which he's married to Deanna. Exactly. And another he's totally not. And and and, and, and he's weak Worf in, in another one. Right. He's like. <laughs> but I love these episodes i i yeah. dearly dearly love this, these episodes this, this um, is what star trek to me is much better this way whether you're the best or not even with like enterprise you have time then to redeem yourself you can have a bad episode one week not saying that there have been a bad episode but just saying you could have one yeah. and the following week you could have an ace and be totally fine and character driven and still it it, it increases the plot yeah keeps going forward uh increases story you can tell a tiny story if you have like you we always talk about there's always there has been politics in star trek mm-hmm. but it's been developed into a single episode yeah it's like hey they talked about it. and then we move on of, hey, of, yes. of the five episodes in season two so far four have been completely character development driven uh, yeah. Of side stories of nonsensical, holy crap, we're in space and this weird freaking thing happened. It doesn't ma- the the fate of the universe is not in in the wind here. The there there there's no you know impending Romulan invasion. There's no this. It is. And so there's eight episodes. It, it, it trying is to find Spock the is now human and is dealing with his adolescent you know yeah. immature emotions and has to meet his fiance's parents. Uh, it, it's very first episode Spock's in command for the first time Spock's in command what does he do I would like the ship to go fast now now yeah <laughs> uh, uh, you know um that one had some character or, or some like plot development in it as all good Star Trek episodes do yeah but it was mainly focused around a couple of different characters the first two character or first two episodes were were pretty much Una. They they were number one. They were uh they yep. were Una's trial and and vindication and and things like that. Um they were uh a holodeck episode essentially where they're I don't want to call it a holodeck episode, but they're stranded on their planet. They don't have their memories, they only have their emotions. Yep, that that uh, one was a good one. I that was a that really one. good one. I I really liked it's that very one. again, very Shrek of like, hey, we're going to our base emotion or our, our base uh, core functions and how we are. And it still says we cared about people. We still right. we we're here to protect people and everything. Like that. Yeah, it, it worked out great. I mean, this series is the most back to basic Trek since DS Voyage, since Voyager. 
I know. Well, Enterprise was good, I, and I, I people still mock it, and I say you got to watch the last season and a half. So season two and a half to three were really good. I yeah. think that's, but I know a lot of people mock it just for the opening title. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it's. I love the fact that it's episodic, story-driven, still but, but individual, and this reads ahead. like Star Trek of old. Season yes. 2, Episode 1. Yes. A distress call from Noonien Singh compels Spock to disobey orders and take the USS Enterprise and its crew into disputed space. Season 2, Episode 2. Ad Astra uh, Perspera. Commander Una faces court-martial with possible imprisonment and dishonorable dismissal from Starfleet and her defenses in the hands of a lawyer who's also a childhood friend with whom she had a falling out. Uh, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. La'an travels back into... Holy crap, this episode. Yeah. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. La'an, uh, La'an Noonien Sung, uh, of that Noonien Sung, um, travels the back in time yeah. to face her demons in an alternate with reality Kirk. with with Kirk. Good God, what a phenomenal episode! And and at yeah. the end of the day, nothing that happened in that episode matters one bit. Yeah, none of it but because it, was, it technically I, never happened. Well, and the best part, this is what Trek's always, I think, been really good at, is that you can't jump in the middle of the season. Like we were talking, you can jump in the middle of season three, four, five in uh, DS9 or TNG and be like, that was a good episode. I want to watch the next one. Right. You know, oh, now here's something different. Now here's something different. That's it's, what It's not a season of 24 where I have to see the previous 17 to understand episode 18. It is... Exactly. The characters are very much in and of themselves characters uh that that's one of my biggest gripes of of a lot of popular television in in the last well you can go back as long as you want where characters become a vehicle for the story rather than the characters evolving in their own right and this feels very much a return to that tng ds9 voyager type character development where the characters bring on a life of themselves and if you put them into a situation how do the characters react and what I like this this whole series, uh, if it continues this way, which I really hope and seems to be that they are, is easily they could syndicate this onto your standard cable TV show. Uh, I expect to uh, be able to see this on BBC in the next six years. BBC, maybe like uh, they they give it to whatever you know CNBC or or their Paramount. I don't, I don't, I forget what they're... They better run uh, reruns on Spike. That's all I can say. Like Spike or TBS, or I think they own TBS, I think. Uh, Whatever. One of those. They could easily, in five years, run this just randomly and be like, I'm entertained. I'm entertained. I mean, it's totally fine. Um, I can jump in in the middle of a binge watch of this and be like, in the middle of the night, oh, this is fun. I don't know anything about it, but it's fun. It's it's sci-fi. It's uh, humor. There is suspense. There's action. There's enough of everything here um, that is fun. It's it, it does remind me of Star Trek of it's old. So and good. I'm really enjoying it's it. So good. It's, it's yes. Uh, please, if you continue in any other Star Trek form, this do this more. Yeah. More of this. More I, of this. Picard. I, I loved Picard season three. More so than I love Picard seasons one and two. Seasons one and two told a great overarching story with, you know, 
I've, I've said C minus and, and C plus results for season one and two, respectively. A, a, a plus. A plus, plus for three. season three. Simply yeah. because it's like, if you're going to tell an overarching story over 10 episodes, this is the way you do it. Because holy crap, yeah. that was amazing. Every yeah. single piece of it was flawless. Uh, if you're going to go episodic, Strange New Worlds. Holy crap, yeah. every episode is amazing. It's, it's great. There, There's enough... They still keep tradition of nostalgia in there, but still try to make it new with the newer tech, but they still try to like, hey, it's still this boxy square form. The buttons are still analog, but we make it a little bit shinier, you know, uh, that type of vibe. Mm -hmm. And it's it's great. Um, I don't here's one critique. Maybe you like it or not. I don't like I don't like Kirk, the character, the actor who plays Kirk. I don't mind him at all. I I, I, it's not that it's not that I don't like him. It's just not Kirk to me. Here, it's here's not Kirk here's the me. problem, and 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 let me see if I can change your mind really quick. Okay. When have we seen the James T. Kirk that is the James T. Kirk we know? Because two of his three episodes that Kirk has has been in have been alternate timelines. No, no. Yes. We saw, yes. No, we the, saw him the in the future prediction. Uh, of the Romulus War, the starting of the Romulan War, which never happened because Pike died before Kirk took possession of the Enterprise. And so Kirk prevented the Romulus War, which means okay. that Kirk never existed. Um, and then uh, the Kirk who went back in time with La'an was well, also well, alternate time. timeline Kirk, uh, in which Earth never existed. He was born on Iowa space dock. Uh We've never met the Kirk from Universe A outside of like two or three minutes of interaction. We've we so the Kirk that you're saying yeah. you don't like is not Alpha Universe Kirk. Sure, okay, I'll give you that. I'll I'll I can give you that. If they kept it that way, I could probably live with it. I also don't hate the Kirk that he's played. I don't. Yeah, uh, per personal pet peeve. I think right. that's what it is. So. That that's really all, but that again, that these are the critiques that I have for it. It's very minor. Uh, I, are you a fan I of Sam get, Kirk at least? Sam Kirk, I like with the mustache. The mustache, the yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I like. I, I like love the callback that it's the same person just with a mustache on. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I love amazing. it. Uh, <laughs> and I love the new engineer. I, I like that. Yes, um, she's great. Uh, so there's a lot of. Sure, if you wanted to dissect stuff really down to its core and the fan base, you could do that. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I, I can nitpick a, a bunch, but as just, I'm going to sit back, enjoy. Great. I love it. It's, it's fantastic. We, we can sit here. I think we'll close with this. We can sit here and we can nitpick Strange New Worlds to the, to the end of time and back. We could also do that for TNG. We could also do that for DS9. We could also do that for, for Voyager. Or you can just sit back and enjoy good television. Because at the end of the mm -hmm. day, canon is only what the writers make it. It's, it's only what the audience makes it. And yeah, if you want everything to match unequivocally to a T and everything, go write your own story. Because... We're talking about television that has existed over the course of nearly 65, 70 years now. And it evolves. And Star Trek has always been a, a series that tries to question 
modern society, modern standards, maybe humanity could be something better. Um, and tried to tell good stories along the way. And, yeah. uh, and I love what it's done. And I love what Strange New Worlds has become. And, and I think it's the perfect flagship to carry Star Trek into the future. Oh, yeah, I, I think so, too. And I really hope they continue this way with whatever direction they continue to go. Uh, I hope it's futuristic and not keep going to the past. Uh, you know, history things. I'd, I'd like to see something beyond, say, Picard season three. Um, that's something I would like to see. Unfortunately, actually, I don't know if you slightly sad news on star trek the uh the kids one got canceled the nickelodeon yeah show. prodigy got canceled Prodigy um, got canceled after I'm, one season i'm not super surprised by that i'm not either but there were like nit bits i like chakotay got back in there the original actor janeway was originally yeah. back um they even did a dark universe alternate universe mm -hmm. version of janeway yeah so there were nit bits of it um, I believe there is another kids show. It's supposed to be like uh, Starfield Academy, something along that line that's yeah. coming out. But that's even more kid, like supposed to hit even a younger audience, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, so maybe I'll get my son into that. That'd be fun for, I am so tired of some, I, I love Bluey. Don't get me wrong, but I can only watch so much. Right. Who, who doesn't <laughs> love Bluey, but at the same time, when you can say it word for word in your head, it's like, it's time for yes. something new. I know. I mean, I mean, if I don't watch it for a month, the same jokes. Okay, that's funny because there's. I love that they throw a little bit of adult adult humor in there. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, no. Uh, again, we'll we'll end up this, but super happy in the direction everything is going with truck right now. Yeah. Hope it continues. Yep. All right. That has been episode 294 here on Talking Heads. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. If you like the beer content on this show, make sure to subscribe to Hops and Brews. Link is down in the video description. Follow us on the social medias at Craft Computing, at Hops and Brews, whichever direction my fingers need to point in whichever case. Uh, join the Patreon, get access to the Discord server, chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads all through the week. And uh John, anything to add? Nothing. To I, I'm, I'm looking I'm looking forward to the next episode. Yeah. Come on. Uh yes. That should be a lot of fun. That uh, should that that should be a lot of fun. For for those who haven't heard, it's Hops and Brews and Craft Computing in Vegas. That's right, baby. Vegas. John has never been to Vegas. I have not. I've been to the airport, never out of it. Well, yeah. never out of the airport. Yeah, well, so. that's like me saying I've been to Denver. I've I've been to the Denver airport numerous times. I've never left the airport. Yeah, uh, that, that's what happens. I, I played some slots in the air. I was I had like an hour and a half layover, and that was it. I I have been to Phoenix. Screw Phoenix. Uh, wow. I have been to Phoenix. So, yeah, I I, I, I have been to thing. Phoenix. Not just the airport, but screw Phoenix. I hate Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Sorry you have to live there. This has been episode 294. Thank you all so much for watching. And as always, we will see you... <laughs>